From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, December the 7th, 2017. This is episode 33, Consensual Mass Hallucination. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined this week by two wonderful guests, senior writer at Tom's Guide and Laptop Maggots, Andrew E. Friedman. Andrew, welcome to Download. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, Lisa Schmeiser is back, uh, editor at IT Pro Today. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Hello. Thank you for remembering the new site title. Yes, well, you know, just you tell me what site it is today, and today it's IT Pro Today, and yes. uh, I'll say it out loud, and that's how that fingers, works. Yeah, fingers crossed it stays that way for a while. I'll let you define your job and mm-hmm. employer title however you want. That's I'm going to leave that, right? <laughs> Give yourself your own title if you want. It's your business. I think I'm editor-in-chief now. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> yes, king of the world, Andrew E. Friedman, also here. Um, but what world? All right, let's uh, get to it. I, I'm joined, by, as always, by download producer Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. You know, I'm a little jealous of Andrew. I tried injecting my middle initial in like my professional name for a long time and it never stuck so andrew you've you've conquered something i have not mm-hmm. i you know i secret is that i hate doing it but such a common name that i it, in journalism that mm-hmm. other people uh-huh. yeah, other people confuse my byline all the time so gotta do what you gotta do yeah i just have mm-hmm. the genesis guitar player to contend with that's true uh, I hadn't really. I'm gonna have to make a whole bunch of Genesis puns at some point. Now that's oh, gonna happen. Yeah. I realize that that's literally the only person in Genesis whose name I can't remember. Well, so. well now you can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know, Stephen. You're throwing it all away. Oh, why did I? I did oh. it right there. Okay, let's get to it. The most interesting stories of the week is chosen by me and Phil Collins. Uh, topic number one: uh, Microsoft and Qualcomm made big news this week. This is sort of a phased rollout because they said they were going to do it and they haven't actually done it yet, but they have unveiled what they're going to ship next year, which is Windows laptops running the uh, Snapdragon 835 processor from Qualcomm. Now, the Snapdragon, of course, you're familiar with from powering lots of Android phones, lots of mobile devices. But these are ARM processors. They're going to ha- run Windows 10S, but they can be upgraded to full Windows 10 Pro. They, uh, You're going to have uh, things starting at like $600. They're going to have uh, wireless integration for like LTE, uh, really good battery life, because of course this is a chip that's optimized for mobile. Um, there's going to be apparently x86 emulation, so that if you've got apps that have not been recompiled for ARM on Windows, they should add actually run and they say run decently which is interesting um this is an interesting development and of course no intel inside because it's qualcomm inside so um i am not a i'm not a windows user but i remember well the last time microsoft sort of tried this which was half-hearted with windows rt this seems like the real deal and i wonder what this means for the future of windows laptops lisa what do you think I think what's important to look at here, there are two things you should look at. Uh, first is the fact that it's Windows 10S. So it's designed to be very easy for someone who's not the user to administer and, or administrate. And it's it's basically um, kind of like Windows with training wheels, or it's, it's Windows for people who aren't power users. Um, 
And that brings me to the second point, which is that Microsoft has begun aggressively looking at frontline workers, i.e. people who are not in offices, people who may be in retail or, you know, who are receptionists at doctor's offices. In other words, people who don't live on a computer for eight to 10 hours of their professional day. And, um, you combine these two things plus the battery life. And what that suggests to me is that Microsoft is really looking to, saturate spaces that are right now being filled in with a pastiche of mobile phones and tablets and Chromebooks and things like that. So it's a good move. I don't know how well it's going to go over, but I like that you can kind of see the strategy I'll laid out here. And I think that Microsoft has also indicated that for the next few years, one of the biggest questions in hardware is going to be how to wisely use energy and prolong battery life. I mean, work is just getting more mobile, period. The expectation of connectivity and and always being able to tap into hosted apps in the cloud is permeating more and more industries. And whoever whoever can colonize this space and standardize the user experience for it and provide the commodity, it's it's a nice short-term revenue stream. Andrew, what do you feel about this hardware? What what is it? Uh, what's your reaction to this idea of a serious move to ARM laptops by uh, Microsoft and partners? Right, well, I will say that everyone at Qualcomm and Microsoft is probably very upset that you brought up Windows RT in in talks. With, <laughs> I'm sure talks they with, are, but I mean, come on. With, yeah, right. In talks with Qualcomm, and t- they they're always saying this is not RT. Be be sure you say that it's not RT. So it, it's not. Windows 10 S is better. I've always been a little more skeptical of 10s. I mean, I might be what some consider a power user, but I'm sure everyone who dis- who uses Chrome does not necessarily call themselves a power user. So Windows 10s, as you know, it only allows you to use apps from the Microsoft Store. So that's going to limit you, at least initially, to using very few apps, and that means your web browser will be Edge, Spotify will be your music player, but it's going to limit you a bit. But without all the overhead and without all the x86 emulation, the Windows 10s is probably where you're getting a lot of that battery life. So I'm happy to see it. You know, I'm happy to see them putting full Windows on it all. I'm happy that you can upgrade. I'm very curious what that's going to do to those claimed 20, 25 hours of battery life when you get it. The the actual laptops themselves, I've seen them. I'm very impressed with them. The first two is HP has one, the NVX2. It's a detachable, sort of like the Surface. It's really, it's got a premium look, you know, leather keyboard. I really like all that. The other ones, the HP, the Asus, sorry, the Asus Nova Go, which I'm not thrilled on the name. It sounds a lot like No Go, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know it's a, that's a standard two in one. You're not going to notice it's anything special, but that one's going to have gigabyte LTE. Um, they're going to that one, and we have conflicting price and release dates because Asus announced their prices starting at six hundred dollars for uh, and going up to around eight hundred dollars, while HP has not announced prices, but we know it'll come in the spring. So we have some hardware there. Lenovo will be announcing something at CES. Qualcomm said that on stage. We'll find out what that is. They were one of the initial partners when they announced this at Computex. So um, I'm very curious about the hardware and seeing if they're aiming more towards consumers, if they're more towards businesses. And right now, it seems like a mix of both. What do you think about the emulation story here? Because that's definitely the thing that I always gives me pause is as a Mac user, I've been through onboard uh, emulation during a chip transition multiple times. And right. sometimes it was okay. Um, and sometimes it was less okay. But um, it, it's definitely something that's doable if there's enough power in the processor. How, you know, looking at these 
Snapdragon processors, you know, is this is this a real thing that people are going to be running apps in emulation, or is it really just sort of a last resort kind of thing? I'm, I'm, what do you think of the the emulation story? Well, if you're running Windows 10s, then you probably won't be emulating very much. That's going to be written for ARM in the right. Windows Store. So they're hoping you stay on Windows 10s <laughs> right. and don't have to use x86 emulation. If you use it, I'm very curious to see what the overhead's going to be. And Qualcomm in our briefings has said, oh, it's not going to be bad. You might not notice it. I'm very curious to take one of these and upgrade it to Pro and see what that's like. I'm also curious what it means for apps that are 64-bit apps because there, there's a little bit of question about, okay, this can run 32-bit apps, or at least it can emulate them. That's not a problem. But for apps that are only 64-bit, and admittedly that might not be a problem for many, I don't know if this is going to run this at all. We're going to have to look into those, test those. There's been a lot of questions about that. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, not to bring up RT again, because I know it's not Windows <laughs> RT, but, but one, uh, what, trying to learn from the mistakes of Windows RT. I mean, what's different about it is that uh, uh, Windows 10 is more integrated in a way that the window, Windows RT was sort of like just the Metro interface, and then you could flip into traditional for Office, basically, and nothing else. And with this one, it's the integrated interface, and it's going to be any app that's in the store, um, that's so it's not going to be uh, so limited. But at the same time, I do have that feeling like how what percentage of Windows computer buyers are relying on some important legacy software? I guess that's a broader question for, about Windows 10s, which is like how many is this Microsoft trying to find a market? of people who don't need legacy Windows software. Yes, yes, right? it absolutely is. And, yeah. and does that market exist? And again, I want, I want to... I, 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 well, they seem to think it does. And my guess is that someone in Microsoft's at some point was probably either a farmer's market or some other like open... No, I'm not... I'm, follow follow <laughs> I, I, me here, follow me here. Wait, I want to see where this goes. I'm, I'm in the farmer's market with you now. Yeah, yeah. Somebody goes to buy some jam. They pull out their credit card because they haven't taken cash to a farmer's market for whatever reason. And... The, the 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 jam maker pulls out her iPhone or her iPad and her Square conducts the transaction and the person at Microsoft is like, why are they not using Windows? Why why is it that Apple has somehow managed to get a lock on point to point distributed small scale e commerce? You know, and the whole way home they're thinking about this and they're like, as more again, um, as more and more people begin going through vendors that allow you to do direct transactions. And as more people begin to rely on the cloud for things that you would not have even considered just a few years ago, um, you know, for example, and I'm using my daughter's first grade class as an example, they do something called Go Noodle, which is like the streaming channel on YouTube that walks them through yoga and mind- mindful exercises and stuff between like math and reading group and things like that. But this, this, this hypothetical Microsoft employee was probably like, there are lots of places where computers are going. And right now, it's Apple's tablets and the iPhone that are defining this experience. Why don't we offer a complete channel experience from hardware to software, make the software super easy to use, make the hard make it 
or and super easy to administrate so that you don't have a lot of IT overhead costs. It's an out-of-the-box solution for, you know, let's let's work on this and let's lock this down. And my sense is, is that's what they're going to try to do because they want to make sure Chromebooks already got an edge in classrooms, but Microsoft is trying really hard to make an education play. And this with the lengthy battery life and Windows 10S is designed to fit into that system. And it's also aimed at small businesses. It's aimed at anybody who is not going to want to spend a whole lot of time um, and who does not have a whole lot of legacy computing or, or applications to drag into their workspace at this point, but is going to have to start using them. And so they're hoping to, they're hoping basically to pull an Apple, which is to define the experience and to provide an all-in-one seamless solution so that people aren't piecing things together by saying, okay, I have this, this dongle that attaches to my iPad, and I think I've downloaded the software, and I think it's all working now. Instead, the idea that you can just pop out your laptop and, oh, look, it runs videos, so we can do mindful yoga with our preschool schoolers or, oh, look, I can instantly tap into this cloud service, you know, thanks to my browser. That, that I, I feel like that's where they're trying to push this experience. And given Microsoft's recent and aggressive positioning as we are the company that will help you do your work, your work is going to be digital, your work is going to be mobile, we're right there for you. I feel like this hardware is meant to amplify and try to push that message into markets that are that they perceive as being ready to to Hear it. To add on to that, I think the hardware actually goes into the exact story. So Windows 10s is there. You're also going to get, I'll, I'll call them mid-length specs. You know, four gigabytes of RAM, eight eight gigabytes of RAM. You're not going to go. They're not going for power users here. You're getting ex- four gigabytes, eight gigabytes, and then 64 gigabytes of storage or 256 gigabytes of storage. So these are people who need a browser. Maybe they need Office. They're you know they're watching some videos. They're doing their work. They're getting their mail, but they're not. You know, they're not editing video on these machines. That's not what the Snapdragon line is meant no. for. One of the things I find really interesting is they really they mentioned the video specs with this, oh, you get 20 hours of local video playback, and there's seven 700 hours of connected standby. And whenever they release their browser specs for Microsoft Edge, they always release the testing protocols for it too. And it's like, we played X number of hours of video to see what the energy load was. And to tell you that Microsoft Edge is more efficient at processing and rendering video than any other browser. And the fact that they're shifting an emphasis to video suggests to me that they are looking for markets where video is either part of your workflow, you know, as in consuming video, instructional videos, something like that, or it's meant for people where it's not a work machine so much as it is like their general dog's body machine, like maybe they'll do a little light spreadsheeting on there. But it's it's meant to be, oh, it's the machine where I also, you know, watch YouTube between um, you know, logging invoices or scheduling front office appointments or or what have you. Or it's it's the machine that they're hoping that maybe people will add to their computing library and then give it to the person in the family who doesn't need a whole lot from a computer other than it's my magic terminal where I do email and surf the web and watch videos. Um and maybe I'll work on it. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it sounds to me like what this is saying is that Microsoft, this is another attempt by Microsoft to reach an audience that is not going to be 
using windows because they have to because they have legacy products that uh that they that they you know they got to run this app and it only runs on windows so they're going to use windows but because they want to and that's a different kind of sales pitch for them there are a lot of windows users out there so uh, you know and and the simplicity sales pitch has been behind chromebooks and it's been behind ipads and it's honestly even been behind macbooks because there's this sort of like well if you don't need to run windows software you can just use any of those things and it sounds like that's basically uh, a big part of what microsoft's saying here is this is how we sweep away the uh, you know that 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 those people are over here on the pro side and this is something this is something uh, simpler uh, and they don't need that kind of compatibility and all of that i don't know if i don't know if that works or not what about intel you know is is intel is this the future is arm a, a, a major future for for microsoft do we do we risk does intel risk uh being shut out of their biggest market by by this move where, where do we go from here well intel has some has announced some similar plans in terms of LTE, which is something we didn't really talk a lot about the Snapdragon, is that these devices are meant to work like a phone. You're used to having a Snapdragon 835 in your Android phone. Now you'll have one in your computer. So when you shut it, you're still getting your email. You don't have to boot it up and let it download and all that. You'll have eSIMs. You'll have connectability anywhere. If you go buy your plan, they had Sprint on stage. You go buy a Sprint plan. Now it works. Intel is going to do something similar. Um, AMD at Qualcomm Summit in Maui announced that they'll use Qualcomm's chips for it. So everybody will go on the LTE bandwagon somewhere. How Intel will choose to fight on battery, on simplicity, if they want to go the Windows 10S route or if they want to maintain the more complex route with full Windows that's something that remains to be seen. It's very interesting stuff. Um, exciting, exciting times on the on the Windows world. It do, it does feel like this is. I mean, Windows LT or LT was. Uh, it seemed like a, an interesting idea, but it also seemed like it was kind of handicapped from the beginning by by right. some of the choices Microsoft made. Windows 10s seems to be the fa- it seems to be better choices, more broadly appealing, and then you've got the out of saying no, no. I really want. It reminds me of my Kindle, you know, it shipped with the special offers yeah. ads on it, and then you use it for a while, and you're like, I don't want this anymore, and you pay 20 bucks to Amazon, and it's gone. That sounds, that's sort of like what's right. happening with 10s. Just please let me pay to go back to Windows. I'd love to see how Salesforce runs on here, um, because again, I keep coming back to the video, and I'm looking at these machines, and honestly, this is the type of thing where if you're a travel, again, if you're a traveling salesperson, and your job is to demo a product and make a sale, like as long as you can get Salesforce on here, and you have video playback, and you have hours of battery life, this this is all you need to do your job. And it's super easy for somebody in your front office to support intermittently. Um, the, the tennis thing, I've heard from people who actually really like it because... Or, or rather, they like it for other users, not for themselves and their philosophy. Well, because their philosophy is, it's less for me to have to deal with. I can set up an idiot-proof a computer for somebody else. They can still get the five or six tasks that they are focused on. And I do not have to worry about them frequently downloading things that will break their computer or violate our security. And um, I, I think that's actually one of the more compelling features about Windows 10S is the, is the fact that you can essentially block people from doing a wide variety of really dumb things. <laughs> and, you know, again, as as the nature of school and work uh, and even family life shift to a point where having basic connectivity is is practically a requirement for a developing or or, or, or developed world, 
having idiot proofed machines for people so that you do not have to sit down with your small child or an elderly relative and explain to them that no, you don't have to click on every link when it tells you to download. Like just having a machine that saves you from yourself until you have the technological sophistication and experience to customize it more. I don't know if that's a bad thing, you know? It's training wheels. <laughs> All right. Um, we have more to talk about, but let's move on. I want to tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Download brought to you in part by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. If you're listening to this and you haven't downloaded Text Expander yet, you should listen up. Text Expander can save you time in a lot of different ways. Uh, maybe, let's see, what was the last time you went to a networking event or a conference? You met a lot of uh, new people. You know those people are worth staying in touch with, but emailing all of them individually would take forever. Text Expander can solve this problem. Create a snippet, use fill-in fields for the contact name and a custom topic, open your email, and send your follow-ups in a matter of minutes. That's just one of many ways you can use Text Expander to uh, do your job faster, check in on your valuable new contacts without having to spend hours typing out emails one by one. You can create an entire email reply system with Text Expander. You can have a snippet on hand for every type of email you send. There's a great crossover with the Drafts app. You can use your snippets and drafts for seriously powered productivity. If you spend any amount of your day typing, you need Text Expander. It's the smartest way to improve the workflow of your communications. Go to TextExpander.com slash podcast right now for 20% off your first year. Just tell them you heard about text expander on download that's textexpander.com slash podcast open it right now and get 20 percent off your first year when you tell them you came from this show thank you to text expander for their support of download moving on to the next topic a lot of google and amazon drama this week um just a, a brief recap the amazon echo show shipped with youtube support this fall but in september google pulled it back Amazon apparently retaliated by removing Nest products for sale on Amazon. Then YouTube came back because uh, they apparently implemented it as a web view. I tried that out. It actually sort of worked. But now Google is apparently sensing that you're coming from an Echo Show and blocking, so you can't do that. Um, this is uh, this is amazing. Like these are two giants of the industry <laughs> fighting each other. Child. Over, like, Children, right? Well, and, and like yeah, they're giants Godzilla that are fighting. Godzilla versus Mothra. Like, Who are you rooting for? Yeah, like babies about. Well, oh mm-hmm. well, we can't watch your videos. Well, then you can't sell your products in our store. So there. Um, what? <laughs> what? No, they started it. No, you started it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, who's at fault here? Both. One. Who? Who's the bad guy? And and what is what is going on? Tell me what is going on here. Why? Why are they doing this? Because it seems to me like their customers are the ones who are going to be hurt by this, not these oh, guys. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. This is all just a play to get people to lock into one system and stay locked in. Um, <laughs> and honestly, if you're a streaming network, you should be really concerned about this because, uh, you know, which audiences are you going to be able to access and which ones are you not? Um, it's kind of bananas. You have to remember, Amazon's also done this to Apple, though. Yes, and in fact, this week, another thing that happened this week is that the Apple uh, Apple TV app, uh, app for Amazon Prime Video arrived on Apple TV, which means presumably Apple TV will now appear on Amazon.com again because it was pulled because it didn't support Amazon's video streaming Yeah, service. I mean, because Amazon's whole thing is, is, well, our terms of service say that everything that we sell has to provide a lovely experience for our customers and users or else we're not going to sell it, which is is kind of patent patently poppycock. But 
you know, it seems like Amazon at this point is like, look, we've we've locked into e-commerce. Um, we have our own hardware and streaming service, and either you do what we tell you to, or you lose access to all these all these customers. And um, I look forward to seeing when and if when and if they get sued over something like this, because I, I feel like I feel like that's coming. From Google's side of it, um, it, on one level, it doesn't make sense that Google would block YouTube uh, from the Echo Show because the way they had it implemented, it was literally a web view, which means that you got the pre-roll ads and you got the playlists and everything that that we thought that YouTube wanted and that Google wanted. So now it sounds like, you know, it's just a proxy for something else that Google wants out of Amazon. And and. It starts to sound familiar, like cable TV um, negotiations, where the, where the channels just vanish for a few weeks while they're negotiating, where everybody gets angry. But it's just you know we're all pawns in this game of the, that the two the slap fight between the two giants are having because like YouTube, Amazon essentially did what Google wanted on the Echo Show, as far as we can tell, and Google said no, that's not enough. I mean, you look at all the places Google and Amazon compete, and I'm not surprised that they're not exactly in love with each other. You know, they're both in streaming. Google has YouTube. Amazon has Twitch. They're both in search. Google is the search giant. Amazon's got Alexa. They're both in AI with Alexa and Assistant. So the idea that, oh, they're both in streaming, obviously. And they're both the in cloud test. services, too, because right. Amazon has the number one heavy Bigfoot, and Google's trying desperately to make inroads into that industry. They're even both in retail, where Google has Google Express Delivery, and Amazon it sells everything from the biggest e-commerce site on the planet. So the fact that they're in a measuring contest to try to be polite doesn't surprise me very much. But you're right. It really only screws over anyone trying to buy what they want from their favorite store or to access their favorite content from their favorite streaming device. So none of it works, and it's... I don't know how one regulates a pissing contest between two internet giants, but something's got to be done or you're just going to be locked into an ecosystem and that's just how it's going to be. And they're going to keep they're going to decide what you buy forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been Amazon's goal pretty much from the beginning, though, because, again, with Kindle, they didn't have to do a proprietary format for their ebooks, but they do. They do have one. And people have found workarounds to, you know, convert from kindle's format to pdf or something else like that but the fact of the matter remains amazon controls that format and if you look at your kindle library you see that from time to time amazon's changed the cover of your books because it's decided to that that what you really want is ben affleck on the cover of gone girl instead of the original art (laughs) surprise ben Ben affleck's here now surprise well this i i can't begin to tell you and perhaps this is a relic of of you know coming of age on computers in, in the 80s and 90s and actually having files that i downloaded and were mine and were never touched again. But I cannot tell you the sense of violation I felt the first time I looked at my Kindle library and realized that Amazon had updated the cover on art on a book without asking me. Because number one, that's my copy of my book on my hard drive. And what you did is you just decided to sync it on up there and change the appearance of my book cover without my consent. So in effect, this thing that I paid for and have a copy of on my hard drive is still not wholly mine because Amazon can monkey with it and will monkey with it at any time without notice and without consent. And this is their model for everything that they do. You are basically, you know, you're the product, you're plugged into the system. And it's the same thing here with the streaming video. They when they decide to change the terms of service, people are just going to go along with it because the the other alternative is, well, leave the system completely or, you know, leave the service completely. 
but Google's no better. It's the it's the it's the same type of goal there where their goal is to have you locked into every facet of your existence from search to communications to workflow to maps. Um, you know, that the one area where, where Google might have an advantage over Amazon is they have all that map data that you've, you know, all the searches you've done on maps and all of the directions. And if you've got the mobile app, they can track where you've been using the maps and things like that. But I have no doubt Amazon is working hard on that problem right now. <laughs> And yeah, and, and and so at this point, I can see you're going to have people who are like, well, I just have a couple different devices and I switch between them depending on what I want to stream, which is insane. But, <laughs> you know, unless and until somebody is going to make the case that no, you really have to make sure that um, that you offer equal access to competitors. And I don't know if you could even make that case. I mean, people are consumers are just going to have to choose which system they want to be locked into. There are a bunch of Roku owners who are just laughing at us having this conversation because R- Roku is coming out as <laughs> like the demilitarized zone of this battle, right? Like this is this is where we have our handshakes. But this means, I mean, even if you have a Roku, maybe Amazon will decide. You know, we don't want we don't want Prime Video on there. They can decide that. They, they Google can decide we don't want YouTube on your PlayStation Four anymore. And so, even devices that seem safe right now, your Xbox, your PlayStation, your Roku, though they're not safe because Amazon or Google can get can wake up on the wrong side of the bed one morning and pull something, and then you won't be laughing at Google and Amazon owners anymore. Oh, boy. Um, I, I want to talk about this a little bit more. I've got a few other items. Let's take a break really quick for another sponsor, and then we'll uh, we'll pick it up. This episode of Download brought to you in part by Squarespace. Enter offer code DOWNLOADFM at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. I had a friend who just set up a podcast last night using Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform lets you do basically whatever you can conceive of. Nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They take care of all the server business. You don't have to worry about any of that. Squarespace covers it. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you do need any help, they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name so people can just type you know www.whatever.whatever and boom they're at your site you don't have to be on some strange url that's got a whole bunch of slashes in it just get your domain name and put your website there and you can do that all from within squarespace and they've got all those award-winning templates that are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com when you decide to sign up use the offer code download fm to get 10 percent off your first purchase and to show your support for download thank you squarespace for supporting the show squarespace make your next move make your next website uh something i wanted to mention that i didn't mention earlier not only is the echo show hit by this but the amazon fire tv platform is hit by this Mm -hmm. in fact right and since these fire tv uh apps right they're apps running on the android-based fire tv platform what uh, that allowed google to do is do a notification that was pushed by the youtube app on fire tv saying essentially as of january 1st you won't be able to watch youtube on this thing anymore which is just a next level kind of uh, again basically uh, trolling of amazon by panicking amazon's customer base which is <laughs> that's some mean girl stuff right there <laughs> it's not cool it is like super not cool um th- this is i mean corporate cat and mouse stuff has been going on a long time but it's just the bigger the players the more painful 
it is. It also defangs consumer power in a way, too, because if you're like, well, well, I'm just going to boycott them. And then someone's like, no, you're not. Think about all of the things you do every day on this platform and then go ahead and try to cobble together a replacement. And then it's like, okay, fine. I'm locked in. I'm resentful, but I'm locked in. And that's the way most people are going to work it. So you have these companies that are just going to keep, uh, you know, trying to assert dominance and you'll have consumers who feel more and more frustrated by this. But I don't think you're going to see anybody really leaving in drone droves because they're, they're accustomed to a frictionless experience and they'll have a decade or more of legacy data and legacy experience and habits that are formed and deliberately rebuilding that on your own time because you're angry about a streaming service not being available. Like who's going to do that? Yeah, I, I one of the corporate uh, back and forth that I reminded me of was Double Twist, which is the uh, that service that tried to kind of outfox uh, iTunes, uh, DRM, and Stephen Hackett. You you had uh, you had a, a good old school memory of one of these blow ups, right? This is this is what I bring. I bring examples of things that everyone forgot about. No one should remember. <laughs> but <laughs> when when we were younger, Palm was a company, and they made a phone oh. called the Palm Pre. And for the better part of a year, they went back and forth trying to get the pre to sync with iTunes on the on like on the Mac and on Windows. And so they would build a plugin for iTunes, then Apple would block it, and then Palm would go back and like figure out how to do it again. And then your pre would sync with iTunes again, and then Apple would squash it. Same thing with jailbreaking. You know, there's always this back and forth between a smaller group and a large company trying to get these products to do something the company doesn't doesn't want them to do. But that's that was different even, you know, however long ago the Palm Pre was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years than it is now. Like, it, it's very difficult to get YouTube to work on an Echo show if the company has pulled support. These things aren't as open or as easy to tinker with as they once were. Uh, and when you're dealing with devices and streaming boxes as opposed to computers, it's it's a, it's a very different ball game. So I, I agree with you guys. Like, if, if you're a consumer and, you know, these these options keep getting removed and they put back and removed it's gonna it's gonna damage your trust i think in both brands not just the company that made the device but the company who makes the service as well well let me tell you i i'm not sure um that this story is over by the way because i mean obviously this is hardball negotiation happening here but beyond that the cat and mouse game i think is going to continue because the fact is if youtube is going to be blocked from the echo show um you can't do that Right, because that that means they're just blocking. I guess the browser is reporting what device is running the browser. They could totally fake that for YouTube, right? They could just say, "Oh, I'm a generic Android tablet. I'm I'm an Amazon tablet that it, that you're going to let look at through the web browser. I'm an iPad. Whatever they do, they could totally do it. There is a question of whether that violates YouTube's terms. But if they're just a regular browser, then I'm not sure if it does. And I guess that's the difference is if you're Palm, you're like a little guy punching up to Apple. These are two giants with lawyers. And so that's the other piece of the puzzle here is like, at what point <laughs> does the engineers, subterf- yeah, at what point does the, the engineer, well, the engineers are going to try to do subterfuge and then the lawyers are going to threaten to sue them for subterfuge and, and going against whatever they're, you know, the, the license to use the service or whatever it is. I don't know. I just feel like there's more uh, that Amazon may do to just force the issue, but at the same time i don't know it is like youtube is so 
uh, is so prevalent now that I, I mean, I could almost argue that it's a, a near monopoly because what it does, nobody else does. And that's the problem is that somebody at Google said, oh, you know what? We can use this as leverage to, to make Amazon do our bidding. And I'm sure Amazon does that all the time. Amazon did that with Apple, with uh, Am- Am- with Prime Video on the Apple TV. So, uh, by the way, Prime Video on the Apple TV, fascinating. The third generation Apple TV, which doesn't have apps on it, which hasn't been, it was sold up through <laughs> last year, but it hasn't been updated in years, got Amazon Prime Video yesterday. You know, you laugh, but I have one of those. And my, my girlfriend and I have one of those. And I turned on the Apple TV, the Apple TV last night, and there it was. And she jumped for joy. Why wasn't this here last week when we watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I know, where right? Where was this? I finished Marvelous Mrs. Maisel the day before this happened. And I'm like, man, I, uh, Wait, you know, bad time. I got to be honest. This is why I don't watch stuff on Amazon Prime is because I, I, I greatly prefer the Apple TV experience. And I was like, well, if I have to look at my laptop. I don't want to do it. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is what I've ended up watching so much more Netflix just because, you know, an Apple TV, you can click on down, you can load it up. It's it's nice. And it's that's seamless. the motivation mm-hmm. that Amazon has to play ball with Apple is that there are people who are just not going to watch Prime Video unless it's in Apple's platform. And now now it is. So you should watch Mar- The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and you should watch Red Oaks and probably you should watch Mozart in the Jungle because those are all pretty good. Yeah. TV recommendations. That's right. Just yeah. just throwing it in there. Yeah. I mean, this is I'm actually considering like a Hulu subscription precisely because I can get there through Apple TV right now as of today. <laughs> I will say this. The fact that the third generation Apple TV has it. Shows how long this argument was going on between Amazon and Apple that they were that they made this version for it, and then they made one for the next one, and then they made a 4K version. This is so it's a long spat that clearly they've worked over, and now it's here, and it's great for lots of people. But think how long we could have had Amazon on the Apple TV, and and nothing about it was technical. I think I mean Stephen knows this too. There was a lot of talk in Apple circles about oh well, Amazon's working on it. They're working on it. It's like, and then you'd get these rumblings from inside Amazon saying we did it already, right? Like that was not <laughs> it. This was not a technical issue. If the third generation Apple TV can support it, it's it's that's basically like right out of the box. All you can do there is like plug in some video streams into some menus. It, it, it's really generic. It's not an app. It's just fill in the blank kind of stuff. And they totally did it. So yeah, this was all about uh, bargaining. And it, it's the same reason that I get angry when cable channels disappear in a market like your your NFL team is playing that weekend and suddenly that channel disappears off of cable because the uh, network and the cable provider are fighting over their contract and they've decided to take it out on the customers and make them lose the thing they want to watch. It's it's terrible. I get why they do it because it's leverage because people are screaming. But it also yeah. is fundamentally disrespectful of the people who are customers of both Amazon and Google, right? Come on, people. Um, let me, we have one more topic. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you about a story you may have missed, something that flew under the radar, but might be worth mentioning. Stephen Hackett picked this one. A bunch, so you can help me out here. A bunch of us have smart light bulbs around our homes. But there's a company named Digital Habits that says they're taking things up a notch with something called Color Swing. It is an ambient color-detecting lamp 
that changes its own light to match what it is in what room it is in in real time apparently there's an infrared sensor at the bottom that detects the color of whatever below it so if there's like red below it your room is red and if there's yellow below it your room turns yellow or at least this light illuminates in yellow it's very exciting i can't wait to buy one stephen hackett when can i buy this thing that i read about this week that got me very excited about it's like uh just custom color in all my lights in my home i want to do this when can I buy it? When I, when can I get this thing? Turns out, Jason, it's just a prototype. What? And the company, <laughs> quote, has no plans to put it in production. What? Aw. So, so wait, wait. I read this whole story on The Verge about yep. this wacky product. And at the end, the punchline yep. is not only is it a prototype, but it will never exist. Sorry. Sorry to... It's science fiction. <laughs> you can build your own. You can. It's true. You can. You can build your own. <laughs> There's a fine line between tech reporting and science fiction. There, really so, you know. Yeah, I guess I'll just go back to the Arduino and the do it that way instead. That's a, I, I don't know. That's a te- thank you for finding that story. That is a te- that is tech uh, tech journalism. You, in a you nutshell. described my my complete situation when I was reading. Is like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's we bad. Just, that I relived exist. the whole roller coaster. Wait, it'll never exist. That is why <sighs> did you even? do that yeah it was why like true tone for your life this? why did you tell me yeah, i don't even it's yeah. just a demo aren't we I cool just to share it. Yeah. i'm sorry it's just so so look for color swing from digital habits yeah. never never <laughs> ever I, when i was at ces last year i went to like the u.s post office um uh area you know they have like a huge booth and they have this post office the future type technology where it literally made pre- it, it made mailing packages from your home seamless like it was we well we'd have these tools and you could print this stuff out at a local drugstore or you could even just buy this low-cost appliance and do the stuff at home i'm like this is great what's the timeline they're like oh no this is just what we could do we're not doing it you know but the potential is there <laughs> first we'll make sure not to send your package the wrong way then we'll do this yeah and it was just amazing to me that i'm like why are you getting people excited about technology that you have no plans to roll out like why oh 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 this is what we could do <laughs> just just to tell you i guess we're talking about digital habits in the u.s postal service so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. They, they got us steven uh next time we do this segment like that we should just call it the story that you should have missed mm-hmm. oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's... right like that you wish Poor you had not read um one more topic to go but before that let me say this episode also brought to you by away a team of thinkers seekers and designers who have made smart premium suitcases for under 300 dollars, so your luggage won't cost more than your plane ticket and what do you need most while you're traveling more battery on your devices when you buy an away suitcase you can charge all your devices while you travel both sizes of their carry-on feature usb ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge you can also charge your ipad i've done that a lot um, away bags and accessories are perfect gifts they've got a lifetime guarantee a hundred day trial there's a perfect size and color for everyone on your list this holiday season or get a gift card if you can't make up your mind go to awaytravel.com slash download now and browse away suitcases all made with premium german polycarbonate unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and it's still very lightweight 10 colors more than 10 colors five sizes the carry-on and bigger carry-on those are the ones with the batteries the medium the large and there's now a kid's carry-on Aww. Uh, and they cut out the middleman so you're getting first class 
luggage direct from them at coach prices. See, they did a flying reference there. There's a patent pending compression system. So if you're an overpacker, you can squeeze that stuff in there. It's got the four 360 degree spinner wheels. I love the four wheel suitcase. I'm never going to go back. So anyway, find out more about Away. Really great suitcases. Awaytravel.com slash download. Use the code download and you will get $20 off any of their suitcases. Awaytravel.com slash download and use the code download for $20 off. Uh, 100-day trial, no questions asked return policy, free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the United States, awaytravel.com slash download. Thank you to Away for supporting download. Let's move on to topic number three, our last topic, Bitcoin. Bitcoin (laughs) is a thing that exists, that is doing things. As we record this, a Bitcoin is worth 16,295 US dollars. So uh, you would think that Bitcoin people would be excited, but... Uh, that's kind of a problem in a lot of ways. Steam was a, uh, a recent company to announce that they are no longer going to accept payment in Bitcoin because the transaction costs and fluctuations in the, uh, in the market have made it unrealistic. Uh, anybody out, out there, uh, using bitcoin have looked at bitcoin i i i'm one of those people who looks at this and thinks surely this is just a mass you know a consensual hallucination that will at some point break when i mentioned to somebody that uh, i was going to be on a podcast today uh talking about bitcoin their reply was and and i quote honestly you could tell me almost anything plausible sounding about bitcoin right now and i'd believe you 90 percent of bitcoin users are male Seems right. You can use Bitcoin to make purchases anywhere, anytime. Oh, sure, sure. Bitcoin is used exclusively in Finland. Um, okay, <laughs> I buy that. <laughs> I, I, I think Bitcoin is one of those uh, one of those things where you're like, okay, if I I think I understand economics, and I I I and and so I was like, well, what's Bitcoin? Like, well, well, it's it's worth U.S. currency, and you have to solve a math problem to earn it, and. And then you've got currency, and someone's like, "Well, can, can you spend it?" And you're, "It's currency, and you have to solve a math problem to mine it." You know, you know I don't know how much it is currency. I, it was designed to be currency. Steam was actually possibly the largest vendor that took it, and they're not doing it anymore. At this point, you know, when it's worth this much money, and it takes so long that you'll have to refund purchases because they're paying more than they would usually do it. It's really more of a speculative future at this point. I look at it. I look at it more like gold than I do like the U.S. dollar. Yeah. So, yeah. Because can you go to a store and and actually, in other words, how how easy is easy is it to convert Bitcoin back to U.S. currency and then you know walk in and say, oh, give me sixteen thousand dollars, my good man. I I have here this this hard drive with my Bitcoin on it or or what have you. Um, I mean, Bitcoin ATM machines yeah. do exist if you want to do it in person. They do, yeah, yeah. But um, which raises another question. So, do you just take out like a fraction of a Bitcoin because they have the hard like three hundred dollar limit per transaction, or can you, in theory, let go and be like, oh, I want to withdraw two Bitcoins? You're like, oh, hold on, well, I'll give you thirty two thousand. Do you want that in twenties? Um, I mean, no, it's it's. It seems like Bitcoin's a currency only because a few people have agreed that it is, but right. it's it's not in circulation. It's not actually really being used to to establish a transactional basis for widespread goods and services. Um, but you could argue that I mean, I said, is this a mass hallucination? But uh, that's consensual. But the fact is, currency 
is a mass hallucination that is consensual. And so you could argue, I mean, Mm -hmm. one article I read about Bitcoin and the current level of it is saying, well, is it a currency? Is it a, it is sort of, but it's also like a place to store, um, to, to store money essentially it is it, it's almost like a computing a futures market kind of thing yeah. mm-hmm. it is a, lo- a lot like yeah. gold in some ways the question is just you know uh with any of these things the speculation has dr- driven it up but the the danger is that the hallucination breaks right and that could happen with any right. currency mm-hmm. but it's more likely to happen with a bitcoin than with a u.s dollar probably i would think I mean, who knows <laughs> these yeah, days? I, I feel like a lot of the things, a lot of what you like about the U.S. dollar or really any other currency is that it's reliable. It's not volatile. So everyone who owns Bitcoin is cheering because it's skyrocketing. But if anything like that happened to the dollar, we'd all be freaking out. Yes. <laughs> you, exactly. You'd start telling stories about those countries where people were like taking home their currency in wheelbarrows. I, I can see the uh, appeal of Bitcoin. I mean, and this is why it, it not only is it a cool thing technolo- technologically, it is actually a blo- the blockchain stuff is brilliant technologically. But I can yes. see how people, especially a lot of very techie libertarian type people who say, well, this is a, a monetary system that is free of the banks and it's free of nation states. It's its own worldwide controlled free market thing that just just and, runs yeah. i get i get that and yet uses a lot of incredible public resources to do so right. like many libertarian ideas so this is <laughs> this is the other thing that happened this week that, yeah. that there were a bunch of articles about the eco- the uh, economic and ecological cost of bitcoin because to make a bitcoin you have to do a lot of heavy duty computing work which and there are disputes about uh, exactly how much, because somebody said that Bitcoin mining uses as much electricity as the country of Denmark, and then somebody else said that may not entirely be true. There are questions about like the growth of Bitcoin mining. It is using an increasing amount of energy. It is a huge amount of energy required to do uh, Bitcoin mining. A lot of it's happening in China, which means a lot of it is also coming from coal dirty. power, which right. is mm-hmm. very dirty. And I did have that moment where I thought, well, wait a second, we are trying to get, uh, trying to be more efficient with our c- energy consumption as the human race and maybe uh, pollute our our planet less and somebody invented a like pretend money system incredibly resource intensive way to to be like we're free of the world and and no no you're you're using public utility grids to to mine bitcoin um, you're using utility grids that were likely funded with 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 other people's money so so there's that and there's an environmental impact it's not like it, it's 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 um kind of locusts like you know when you think about it and while there are know? a finite number of bitcoins so this can't go on forever but that will be years and then there's still electricity used to maintain the network and then there are still you know we're talking a lot about bitcoin but there are other cryptocurrencies that are using that also use you know high power computers like ethereum mm-hmm. like dogecoin which is a word that i can't believe exists i know like oh, like, like litecoin yeah. so just because we're talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin can go down and we will still have a whole bunch of cryptocurrencies using a whole lot of public resources. And um, well, this, in a way, I was thinking kind of ties back to the first thing we were talking about, which is that Microsoft was rolling out a piece of hardware where the biggest attraction is it uses less energy. And I think what we're going to be seeing across every angle of tech reporting for the next five to 10 years is the issue of how to do more Um while using less energy, period. And we're probably also going to see a surge in interest in um, independent 
energy infrastructure. I mean, we're already seeing that in data centers where a lot of the big data center players are um, also, we're now a utility player as well, or we have a zero, we have a zero footprint data center or what have you. But um, I think you're going to see an explosion in uh, DI, in like DIY solar setups so that you can have independent computing off the grid. And uh, I would not be surprised if uh, somebody comes at the Bitcoin energy problem with a solution they can monetize <laughs> either. But, but yeah, I think energy independence and um, energy consumption are going to be two really big areas to start looking at in tech from the consumer level to the enterprise level to the um, how can we change society level? like cryptocurrency is trying to do. Oh boy. I, you know, I think there's only one solution to mm-hmm. all of this, which is we need to restore the universe from our 2015 backup. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say regulation, but okay. <laughs> no, I no, I think it's yeah. too far gone. I think I think we just got to wipe everything out and start again and just see do if, a hard reboot. see if we can do it better from 2015 2010 maybe the year f- year 1000 i don't know let's give mm-hmm. it another go well, the good news is, is if we go back to 2015 taika waititi is already on board to direct thor so we will have a guarantee of that of, of that movie in the rebooted timeline so i'm okay all right all right <laughs> now, if we reboot i think B- bitcoin goes back earlier than that so we'll still we oh, can no. get bitcoin for a really good price Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, Ooh. I like that. Um, well, there we go. All in for the reboot. Think, I'm putting in a Bitcoin yeah. mining operation in know. Phil's office. Well, you know, I just, the more, the more the, the, the world happens, the more it reminds me of uh, William Gibson yeah. novels. So, William Gibson, uh, start writing happier things, yeah. I guess, because that's all what we're left with now. Uh, such a strange thing. Science fiction. And, and, and is... I realize I'm turning into one of those, the person who controls bismuth controls the world, but like, again, some, <laughs> one of the most, like, one of the most interesting things I saw at CES in 2016 was the huge section of the show floor that was dedicated to, um, solar panels, like small solar panels that you could plug in that, that they, they were basically like, Oh, you can put this outside for 24 hours and then you could power your freezer off of a year for it. Or there were a lot of ba- batteries. There were a lot of solar powered rechargers, things like that. And I think that, um, energy independent, that the, the phrase energy independence is going to start gaining more traction among people who use a lot of technology and among people who are going to be worried about skyrocketing costs. And I, and, People who are like, well, I already have to carry around a phone and a power bank all day. So, you know, why not a solar amount that I can keep in the backseat of my car in the parking lot? And I can use that to charge my laptop on the way home. Um, I, th- I really think this is something. And it is kind of Gibsonian when you think about the way people are going to start hacking together everything from network to how they power the network. And, you know, I joked about regulation. And apparently there are a couple countries, Russia, some in in Asia that are looking at it. But the truth is, like many tech issues, that um, the people who govern don't always completely understand them. So it may very well fall on the private sector to come up with environmental solutions that we can use to even – I mean, I'm not sure what the private solution is going to be for Bitcoin. But for other uses of electronics to, you know, make things cleaner. So – if we don't, if we don't understand it, we can't regulate it. The, one of the issues. Yeah, that's a really good point. We talk about a lot, um, and again, going back to sort of techno libertarianism and all that, and and this is uh, this is Larry Page having his own private island where there are no laws and what, all that st- sort of thing. <laughs> Does he hunt the most dangerous game there? Because that's where this is going. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it, there's no law against it because there are literally no no laws on that island. Um, is <laughs> is when we talk about regulation, regulation is a concept of nation states, and Bitcoin is outside of nation states, more or less. 
less. So unless everybody regulated Bitcoin the same way, you just move to a different country where the laws were different and continue doing it because it's not controlled by anyone, which is interesting, but also means it's not controllable. So you'd need some sort of unprecedented global regulation partnership. And that looks far, far away from anything we've ever seen. Yeah, it seems unlikely because everybody will then try to get their own advantage so that all the Bitcoin miners come to their country and they'll. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, well, I. uh, Hey, Stephen, did we have any of those happy fuzzy puppy um, things to put at the end of the show? Because I forgot. And now we need the puppy fuzzy puppy segment again. (laughs) Well, I don't know if there'll be puppies in it. But we have a new Star Wars movie in a week. Oh, that would be our happy thing. The porn, okay, so adorable. so what to look out for in the week ahead is our fuzzy puppy segment this week. The Last there Jedi we is coming out next week, so look out for Luke Skywalker next week. And he, I hear he's going to talk spoilers, so <gasps> that's something we can look out for in the week ahead. I'm looking forward to that. But that brings us to the end of this week's edition of Download. Andrew E, middle name important, Friedman. Where can people find the stuff that you do? Sure. So you find my work on tomsguide.com and laptopmag.com. They're sister sites. And you can find me on Twitter at Friedman, F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N-A-E. That's Friedman A-E. That's not related to Titan A-E in any way, though, right? God, I wish I was that cool. <laughs> and Lisa Schmeiser, where can people find your stuff? Uh, IT Pro Today, which is itprotoday.com. And I'm also still at The Observer as a columnist there. You can find me on Twitter at L S C H M E I S E R. And thank you to my uh, producer, Stephen Hackett, who is always working behind the scenes. You may not be able to see or hear him, but he's there. You seem to have the invisible touch. Steven. Oh. Uh, how do I hang up the Skype call? <laughs> and he'll be hanging up on me, your host, Jason Snell. Until next week, we will be watching the headlines so you don't have to, and also maybe watching a Star Wars movie. Bye, everybody. Bye.